The Valley Hub Stories podcast acknowledge traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast has been recorded, Umbangia Country. We acknowledge and respect continuing connection to and care of country throughout time. Welcome back to the Valley Hub Stories podcast. I'm your host, Penny Coltal. We're so glad that you're tuning in today because this is a very important conversation and an interesting one at that. In fact, it may just save a life. It is a recount about the power of women chatting and how a small idea became an important community conversation. Today, I'm chatting with Julie Collins from Valor Beach. Julie was one of these women responsible for securing a series of accessible for community use defibrillators across Valor. And she is a passionate advocate and container of knowledge for how other communities can do the same. Julie and the team drove their idea from a concept to an afternoon soiree complete with live music, an auction and 100 people who felt the same way. And the results are telling. Small ideas, big actions. Here is Julie to tell us the whys and the wheres of how this all unfolded. Julie, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Can you tell me a little about you? Certainly. My name's Julie Collins and I've lived in Valor Beach for six years. Moved here from Alice Springs where I lived for 35 years and moved here to semi-retire and be nearer our children who are based in Sydney and Brisbane. And what's your favourite thing about living here in the Nambucca Valley? Oh, it has to be the lifestyle. It's so relaxed and such a beautiful place to live. I love it. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now. So, Julie, you've been part of a program that has managed to achieve placing defibrillators at various locations across Valor. How did you get involved in that process? Well, it all started over a group of ladies who met for coffee and we were reacting from the bushfires of of 2019-20 and a lot of us were new to Valor Beach and weren't sure what we should be doing. And we were also concerned about the situation with local ambulances and how long they might take to reach someone here if there was a, an issue, a health issue, a heart attack or cardiac arrest. And so it was just born out of a group of uh, people chatting about the risks of living in a small community like Valor Beach and uh, went from there. Mm. So had anyone in that in, in that group sort of had that experience of, you know, a delayed response or or experiences of the bushfires and Yes, they had. Uh, there were a few people who'd been residing here for many years and clearly remembered the bushfires and how scared they were and how they really weren't sure what to do and where to go. Uh, we also have a Zumba class here and one of our ladies had a heart attack during the class which brought the issue very close to home that this could happen to any of us despite some of us being fairly young mm. and uh, how would we react? What would we do? Yeah. So tell me, you've come together with an idea. What was the process from there of getting it off the ground? 
So the initial process was we joined a Red Cross initiative called Community Resilience Team, which sets up a network of people within a small community who provide information to local residents and who mind a street in the town and we deliver information about bushfires, flooding, any anything that people might need to be aware of. And also, once the defibrillator project was off the ground, we were delivering information about where we might put them and uh, who might use them. Hmm. So how was the decision made on where to place them? Well, we had some statistics that said that it needed to be within 10 minutes of most people in the community. So we looked at a map and we just strategically placed them where we felt they were closest to everyone in the community. Uh, So they went into public places such as the beach and the Lions Reserve. Uh, They went to the preschool They went to the fire station, uh, places where they're accessible 24 hours a day and they're very obvious. Hmm. So how do people access them in the event of an emergency? Are they, you know, are they in a box? Are they, can you tell me what that looks like? Yes, certainly. So going back a few paces, we joined a group called Community Defibrillator Project, which is based in Wiseman's Ferry. And that was born out of the flooding that occurred there a few years ago. And a group of paramedics formed an association, which is a not-for-profit association, and they will coordinate the provision of defibrillators for communities such as ours. So the first thing we did was we engaged the help of the experts and they ran us through how much we needed to fundraise and what our goals were, uh, where the defibs should be placed. And they also provide the defibrillators. And so some of them are in a white metal box, very clearly marked uh, as to how to operate the box. It's very simple. You just tap in the postcode. Uh, Some are on stands with a big sign behind them. And that was all provided by this association as part of our fundraising package. So tell me about that fundraising component. How did you achieve that as a small community? Well, we formed a committee and there were seven of us on the committee and I was appointed the team leader. We identified where we might be able to access funds from And so we contacted uh, local government, we contacted a lot of philanthropists who might have grants available, and we also had a network of local businesses and private investors who were very interested in the project, Uh, not for themselves, but just for the whole community, which they all live in. So uh, we initially advertised uh, just locally, and saw that there was quite some interest in this project. And we put together a package, and again, that was assisted by the group in Wiseman's Ferry. So people had the option of being a private donator. They could don- donate as much or as little as they wanted, or you could be a, uh, a silver sponsor, 
which got you naming rights online and on Facebook pages. Or you could be a major sponsor and you could buy the entire defibrillator and the box and have your name on it, which a lot of people did, which was very surprising. Mm. Were you able to access any community grants at all? We applied for a lot. We didn't get any of them, unfortunately. Uh, That was disappointing. Mm. Uh, We continued to apply because there are ongoing costs and so uh, we do have to keep fundraising because the defibrillators have to be maintained and if, if they are used, the pads have to be replaced and the batteries have to be monitored. So there are some ongoing costs. And who, uh, I guess, so who is responsible for managing that process and how do you know if they have been utilised? That's an interesting question. So the group in Wiseman's Ferry have, they monitor each AED and we have minders here looking after each one. So we have a, a main minder who checks on the defib once a month takes a picture, makes sure the battery's working, makes sure it hasn't been vandalised, there's no damage. And then there's a secondary minder. So if that person goes on holiday, there's still someone to cover the, the area. How do we know if they've been used? Usually, because we're a small community, we just hear on the grapevine. Mm. Probably our biggest concern when we were fundraising was that they would be stolen mm. or vandalised. That hasn't happened which is lovely because Mm. uh, we've created quite a high profile in the community and we've made young people especially aware that there's nothing you can do with a defibrillator. You can't put it on your mate and try and give them an electric (laughs) shock. It just doesn't do it. So there's really no point in taking them. Obviously they can be sold but they're all tracked and they're all numbered. So they would be very hard to offload. But we've been very fortunate that the community does keep an eye on them. And we actually had one at the markets a couple of months ago. And we had lots of phone calls of people saying, oh, there's one missing, which was nice. So people do notice. Yeah. How do you you distribute that information both to the the younger generation that you have here about, you know, the purpose of why they're here, but also uh, to the community in terms of that fundraising effort and where they're placed. How, how are people, how do people become aware? Okay, so once we had placed the defibrillators in the community and we have seven of them here, our network from the community resilience team, each of us have a street, well, some of us have more than one street, And we put together a package which originated from the Wiseman's Ferry Group again. So we have a a fridge magnet with a map with the locations of all of them. We ran some training for the community, which was well supported. And we taught people not to be scared of them. This is how you open the box and uh, this is what, what they do. And we put posts on social media as well and encourage people to talk to younger people and and explain what they are and what they do most young people know exactly what they are mm. which is great i think they're you know they they're taught in schools about health and heart attacks and what causes them and hopefully they 
they leave well alone. Mm. Yeah. I want to talk about the impact I guess this has had on you coming into this community at such a time and, you know, I guess experiencing firsthand the community coming together to achieve this goal. But I also want to talk about the role of the um, Valor Beach Community Association in this process. So can you run me through that? Well, coming here from the Northern Territory was a culture shock in itself. And uh, being accepted into this community has been so much easier by being involved in this project. So people... I've been quite high profile, I suppose. I've been on the TV, I've been on local newspapers, I've been on Facebook. And so people know about the project, they know my face, they know the people on the committee. It's a small community. It's not hard to, uh, not hard to get the message across. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's made, uh, made my time here so far uh, very rewarding. Yeah. And the role of the association in this process? So the VBCA have been extremely supportive in this. They've been a vehicle for us to park fundraising money and they've also allowed us to promote the project at the markets and also to take some of the gate takings. There are donation boxes at the market entrances And that money goes to local charities. So we've benefited from that as well. Amazing. Yep. So we were talking before we started recording too about how this could be done in other communities, granted that Valor is, um, you know, comparatively smaller than, uh, you know, say, let's say Nambucca Heads. What are sort of the top three things, I guess, that have become evident from this process that other communities need to implement to be able to achieve this? I think, first of all, uh, to identify a need and how many defibrillators they feel would be beneficial. Uh, We aimed to fundraise to buy three. We ended up having enough money to buy seven, which is... uh, Some people may say it's a bit of an overkill, but we achieved our goals of having them accessible to everyone. So certainly identify how many you need, how much you need to raise, have a group of people who are passionate about the project and who will stick with it because it it does take some time to get organised and engage uh, an organisation like the Community Defib Project in Wiseman's Ferry who will... Uh, orchestrate it for you mm. and make it very simple to uh, to know where you need to be going and when. Mm. So with regards to communities working out, you know, where, where DFIBs would need to be placed, what are some of the factors that you were considering within that for Valor Beach specifically? We, you know, there's sort of one road in, one road out, as we were talking about earlier but in terms of accessibility of this community specifically, what are some of the considerations that you were you were having to contemplate at that time? Probably the main criteria was that they had to be accessible 24 hours a day. We did have one here in the community, which was based at the Beach House, a cafe, uh, but when the cafe was shut, obviously the DFib wasn't accessible. So we, we, met, we put them in places where they were highly visible, And we put them in places where it was easy for people to get to. So we have 
one at the beach, for example, which was donated, the money was donated by the surfing community because it would benefit them more, mm. than, more than anyone. So they have to be visible, easily accessible. That's really the main criteria. Uh, and they have to be within 10 minutes of mm. most people in the community. Yep. So the process now is that you have a, a committee that essentially maintains and continues to fundraise to keep these defibs in order. We do. Uh, so we've reverted really back to the, the community res- resilience team model now. <clears throat> the defib project team has, has uh, sort of disbanded really. That was mainly together for the setup phase. So now the community resilience team are responsible for keeping them in good order, monitoring when they're used, how they're used, and keeping them maintained. Mm, Okay. So if people want to chat to you about doing this in their own communities, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Oh, they can certainly contact me on my mobile number or by email. There's a lot of information online Already, they can contact the Community Defibrillator Project, which is the company based in Wiseman's Ferry. We have documented our journey in this project, so we have a lot of information that we can forward on how to uh, how to start and how to fundraise. Yeah, that's probably the best way is to talk to me or some of the other other members of the team in Valor Beach. Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that information with us. No, no problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. And it's really, um, you know, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of the grit and determination that's gone into that process. So it's great to be able to share it. Yeah, I hope it benefits other communities. Uh, We've already had some contact with other small communities. It's obviously easier when you've got a, a fairly... A small community like Valor Beach. I know there are quite a few in the Nambucca Valley now that are joining in. So I wish them all the best and hope that their project gets off the ground. Fantastic. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Valley Hub Stories podcast. You can connect with Julie using the details in the show notes. We love hearing what you think of our episodes. So if you have feedback you'd like to share, reach out on our socials at thevalleyhub underscore NV or contact us at info at thevalleyhub.com.au. Until next week, go well.